Hello, and welcome to Rinse and Repeat. I'm Carol Escaros. It was this sinking feeling I had every single morning growing up. I just felt so sick. I would wake up with this dread. I would drag myself out of the bed, drag myself through the shower, getting ready in the morning to the bus stop. I would barely function through many parts of my day. It was terrible, terrible. Little did I know what I had then is what many, many call today anxiety. It was crippling. And to this day, there are many moments when I can just have this sheer crippling fear, especially in certain situations that I'm going to share over the course of the next several weeks. But of late, I have had countless conversations that involve this issue of anxiety, my own fears, the anxiety and the fears of other people. This question is one of nearly epidemic proportions, I feel. And that's why we are about to embark on a brand new series here on Rinse and Repeat called Fear Not. Fear Not. According to some statistics, over 40 million adults suffer from a diagnosed form of anxiety, double that suffer from undiagnosed forms. In other words, most adults in some form or another wrestle with anxiety. My goal here in this series is to address anxiety from a biblical perspective, especially as one who suffers from anxiety, I have sought out the Lord and I have searched the scriptures and there is so much that God has spoken to me through his word. And so that's what I hope to share with you. So as always, I want to begin by defining my terms. Anxiety, or if we want to call it fear or worry or dread, but the common term I know nowadays is anxiety. We're going to define it as a pattern of distressful thinking aroused by the anticipation of pain, harm, or loss. Let me say that again. Anxiety is a pattern of distressful thinking aroused by the anticipation of pain, harm, or loss. Now, I'm not talking about fear that arises from things that go bump in the night or other such sudden fears, okay? The fear that you have when someone pulls a gun on you or the fear that you have right before the impact of a car accident. Obviously, those things are normal and to be expected. No, I'm talking about a pattern of thinking. Patterns of thinking that rob us of joy, of peace. I'm talking about that what if and if only kind of thinking, all right, that I've said for maybe dozens of times here on the podcast. Your joy is crucified between two thieves. What if and if only. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. 
The first question I want us to consider in this study called Fear Not is what are some of the things that might cause you the most anxiety that those patterns of thinking are centered around most often for you? Okay. So for some of us, it's health matters. All right. You have extreme anxiety over the fear of getting sick, of dying, or of someone you love getting sick or dying. And that is a source of extreme anxiety for you. For some, it's the area of provision, of not having enough money to pay your bills or enough money for food or for shelter or for clothing. So it's in the area of provision. And for some, the anxiety centers around relationship, not being loved or wanted or cared for. Whatever reason you experience anxiety, but we can rest assured we all suffer from it in some way, shape, or form at some point. But it's not always the same reasons for the same people at the same time. And I think that that's an important point right out of the gate. It is very easy for us to wag our fingers and say, you should trust the Lord when someone suffers with extreme anxiety over a particular area, it's just a different area than the one we struggle with. It's very easy for us to trust the Lord about one thing when we have anxiety over something else. I think we have to remember that we might just struggle in different ways. Now, I have another bit of sobering news for us right out of the gate, and I promise we are going to get to the scriptures here. We are going to get to some very good news in a minute, but here's some sobering information. There are no promises in the Word of God that our deepest fears won't come true. If you attend a church or you listen to popular preachers or teachers who tell you, if you trust in the Lord, you will never get sick. If you trust in the Lord, you will always have a Mercedes in the driveway and money in the bank and a roof over your head. Those people are selling you a false gospel and it's not biblical Christianity, okay? I want to be very clear about that. If you look at our brothers and sisters around the world, across the globe, you will see that there are people in other parts of the world that do not have cars to drive, that may not have enough food to eat, that may be suffering from diseases of all kinds. And as you know, yours truly has lupus and God has not seen fit to heal me supernaturally as yet. So there are no promises in the word of God that your deepest fears won't come true. In fact, Job 3.25, Job says, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened to me. So Job is basically a full book of proof that bad, scary stuff happens to godly people. And yet we are commanded over 360 times in the Bible to fear not. So tell me, how in the world can we fear not when we have no assurances that bad things won't happen? Here is the bottom line. 
God's commandments to us to fear not have nothing to do with preventing bad things from happening. They have nothing to do with controlling outcomes or people or situations. Fearing not comes down to trusting God even when the worst things happen. I'm going to say that again. Fearing not comes down to trusting God even when the worst things happen. Even when sickness comes and the healing doesn't. Even when hunger comes and the meal doesn't arrive. That's why this is not going to be a study about do this and don't do that because that gets us back into this issue of control, right? Anxiety isn't going to come down to you controlling anything because I firmly believe that control is an illusion, I do not believe that you and I control much of anything. I want rather our study on this topic, fear not, to be about knowing God more, loving God more, especially when we are coming on the tail end of a study on the women of God, part one, where we saw women who really clung to God closely and those who didn't. And also prior to that, studying the names of God and all that we learned about his nature. I want this to be a study of knowing our God, loving our God, and therefore the more we know him, the more we love him, the less we have to fear. So my first question was, what are your greatest anxieties? You know, is it health? Is it money? Is it relationship? But my next question is, what are your greatest fears causing you to do? See, your fears can cause you to, for example, exaggerate the worst case scenarios, okay? It could take a situation like, oh, I have a cough to I must therefore have the coronavirus to I must therefore have the worst case of the coronavirus, to I must therefore be one of those that's going to have to be hospitalized, and now my life is going to be threatened, and therefore I am going to be one of those worst case statistics. So fear can take something and immediately exaggerate it to the worst possible case scenario. We see that in the Old Testament when the spies were going in to scope out the land and they come back and they say, oh, there are giants in the land and look, we're grasshoppers next to them and the land devours the people. Yes, there are enemies in the land. Yes, they are giants in the land. But when you exaggerate the situation, you really are minimizing the greatness of our God. You see? Fear can cause us to exaggerate circumstances, which then causes us to minimize the greatness of our God. Fear can also cause extreme torment. 1 John 4.18 says, fear involves torment. And God wants us to be set free from that torment. That's what we're going to talk about on this series as well. Another thing that fear can cause us to do. Fear can cause us to run when we're supposed to stay still. 
Sometimes God commands us to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And sometimes fear can cause you to stay when you're supposed to go. So in the case of the spies, they were supposed to go and take the land, and only Caleb and Joshua were brave enough to go and obey God and do so. The rest were chickens and said, no, we're not going. So fear can cause you to run when you should stay and stay when you should run. So in this introductory episode on fear not, I want us to consider all that I just said and look at two biblical examples of fear arising in the lives of these people and very different responses to fear. Okay. We're going to see how two different characters respond to fear. And we'll use this as a backdrop to the study that we're about to embark on. So first, Saul, King Saul. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. By way of backdrop, God is telling Saul to utterly destroy all the Amalekites, okay? He's telling them, when you get to the Amalekites, destroy all of them, even their animals. Kill them all, okay? Now, Saul doesn't do that. So 1 Samuel 15, and we're starting in verse 13, okay? 1 Samuel 15, verse 13. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Saul is saying to the prophet Samuel, I have done what God told me. Basically, I've killed everything God told me to kill, okay? Verse 14. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen, which I hear? Samuel sort of in a mocking tone is saying, if you killed everything, why am I hearing animals? I shouldn't be hearing animals if you killed all the things God told you to kill. Verse 15. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. So he's already shifting blame here. They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. So wherever there is a commandment being kept, we have done that. But everything that wasn't done, absolutely right, somebody else did that. Noticing the nuance and the blame-shifting game here? Verse 16, then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. Oh my gosh, Samuel's not mincing any words here. Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. B 
Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Verse 24, then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you for being king over Israel. So here, fear, in particular, the fear of man caused Saul to outright disobey God. It caused him to act in rebellion to God. See, he didn't even see the truth about himself here. How can this be us? How can our fears cause us to disobey God? Let's think about that for a second. Can your fear of not having enough money cause you to disobey God and not give the tithe, the 10%? Can your fear of missing out on fun things or being included in things cause you not to serve God in ministry or in some other ways in your community? Can your fear of losing out on relationship and being loved by someone cause you to compromise on areas of purity or being with those who follow God? Are you willing to be unequally yoked because you want so desperately to be loved by anybody? How can our fears cause us to disobey God? Now, a little bit more on what fear can cause us to do, all right? Just a little bit more here. Flip over with me to 1 Samuel chapter 18. First Samuel chapter 18. There's a little bit more here. Starting in verse 7 for context, okay? Verse 7. First Samuel 18 verse 7. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened on the next day that a distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand, as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand, and Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore, Saul removed him from his presence and made him captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Pause there. So here and again, we see that fear, in this case, Saul's fear of David, causing Saul to sin, and in this case, to mistreat David. This is my next question. Has your anxiety ever caused you to mistreat people? I want to pause on that for a second. 
When you have been anxious, when you have been fearful, have you ever been rude or dismissive or short with people? Have you ever cheated people out of stuff because you were so afraid of not having enough money that you were willing to cheat and scheme? Has it caused you to do things that you just shouldn't have done in relationship to other people? But this is such a great segue to the difference between Saul and David. And David is really the contrast I want to have here. Despite Saul's treatment, David had such wisdom in his relationships despite his own fears. Now turn with me to Psalm 55 and let's read part of this together. And I'm going to bring it all together, okay? Psalm 55. Let's read verse one. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me, hear me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan noisily because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me and in wrath they hate me. Verse four, this is important. My heart is severely pained within me and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me and horror has overwhelmed me. Listen, David here is clearly defining his fears. He is going to God with all of these fears. He just wants to fly away. But look what he does in verses 16 through 18. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them, even he who abides from old, Selah. Because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. He has put forth his hands against those who are at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. See, he's obviously thinking so much of Saul as he's writing and thinking of all of these things. Look, Saul's fears draw him away from God and from community and from obedience and cause him to mistreat David to seek after his life. But look at what David's fears are doing. David's fears are drawing him into God, are causing him to lean into God. Notice the stark contrast in these two reactions to anxiety. And I really believe this comes down to an issue of perspective, my beloved. David ultimately has the right perspective here. See, Saul is looking at a situation. Saul is looking at the people. He has the fear of the people in the situation with the Amalekites. He has his eye on David and jealousy of David. So his eyes are on people. His eyes are on David. David, in his fears, puts his eyes on God. And the issue of perspective, where their eyes are, is what changes everything in their situation when it comes to anxiety. David had the right perspective on God, on himself, on people, really on the world around him. He wasn't looking for an easy way out. He's admitting he has fears, but he knows the right place to take those fears. 
He has the right perspective. And that's my word to each one of us ultimately. Are we taking our fears to the right place? We all have them. We've established that. 40 million people with diagnosed conditions, double that if you count those of us with undiagnosed conditions. We all are struggling with anxiety in some shape or form. What are we doing about it? Are we looking at our situations, at our circumstances, at the people around us, or are our eyes squarely on God, giving that fear to the Lord and watching what God will do with it, what God can transform in us as we bring those fears to God? That's what this study is going to be about. Fear not. That's what we're about to look at for the next few weeks here on Rinse and Repeat. Thank you for joining me for our first episode on this new series, really looking at all of these different aspects of this ubiquitous issue of anxiety. Uh, If you have missed any previous episodes or would like to get caught up on Rinse and Repeat, you can check out Rinse and Repeat anywhere you find podcasts. Anchor FM has all of Rinse and Repeat's episodes. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can also check us out on my website at caroliscaros.com. That's carol, E-S-K-A-R-O-S dot com. There you can also get in touch with me. Let me know what you think of the program. If you have any biblical questions or any Christian living questions, I'd love to hear from you. And be sure to join me next time for our next installment as we look to fear not and the hope we have in God Almighty. Join me next time for Rinse and Repeat.